Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Sam McKenna to the show. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me, you guys. So nice to be here. And she said, you guys, because I have my trusty co-host, Mandy Georgeoff, with me. Welcome, Mandy. Hi. Hi. How are you? Doing awesome. Uh, we were having a blast before we pressed record, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you guys all know who Sam is. But if you don't, she is the founder of Hashtag Sam Sales. They are a consulting business that helps with every level of the sales process from sales development all through executive leadership. I can't imagine you haven't seen her because she is all over at least my LinkedIn feed. As folks know, I'm like super fussy about people who are not in active enterprise sales roles. The reason you know you're here is your great content as well as you 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 have been there and done that. You were the head of enterprise sales for New York City at LinkedIn and you had tons and tons of VP and individual contributor roles in sales before you before you did this. So uh, you definitely have have the bona fides to back it up. Well, I've read so much about you, like of in your LinkedIn posts. I've uh, obviously you have an extensive LinkedIn profile, but what's what's maybe something about you that maybe people don't know? I think um, it, it's interesting. I I don't still to this day understand the word patience, and I think that that can be reflected in my speeding tickets. So this always uh, tends to knock people out of their chairs. But I will tell you, I'm 40 years old, so I haven't been on the road for that long, and I have 39 speeding tickets, and that's domestically. Um, we're not talking about the international ones, but I have always urgent bird gets the worm in a rush to get somewhere and get things done. <laughs> Your walk-on song has to be I Can't Drive 55, although I don't know if everyone's going to know that song. Well, uh, I guess this is, I always try to find funny segues. So like- Good luck with this. I know I got one, which is speaking of behind the wheel, Mm. Sam is behind the wheel of many, many SKOs. In fact, she's going to be speaking at 16 and counting as sales kickoffs that are coming up. What's your approach to figure out what to speak about? Great question. I think, you know, it's interesting. Every organization we talk to, whether we're talking to one that has, you know, 10,000 employees, a thousand sellers, or someone who's just starting out, seems to be a question of how do we make sure this content resonates with our, our full audience, right? So we've got 21, 22 year olds that are SDRs. We've got, you know, our enterprise sellers and leaders who have been in industry for 35 years. So how do we make sure that we don't annoy or confuse? you know, any one of them. What's interesting is I always say, well, let's survey your audience, right? Let's survey your sellers. Because one, if we do that, they're going to be like, oh my God, sales enablement actually cares about what I care about. That's fantastic. They're actually asking before just putting some content on. And number two, I tell them to do that because I already know the answer. It's going to come down to foundational practices, right? Everyone wants to know what's the right way to do this. I've done XYZ my whole life. Hell if I know if that's actually right or wrong. And I would love to learn. In those surveys, what pops up most frequently as things that people want to know? You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of it is around modern selling. We have so many great tech stacks out there, right? Sales app being one of them. But how do I use that? And is it just for outbound? Is it for inbound? Do I use a Calendly link? You know, I keep hearing the words nurture link, nurture email. What is that? And how does it how is it done correctly? Uh, it all comes down to, to a lot of the modern practices. But I think for others too, they want to know if I can do the sales process just really right from the start, right, all the way through, what does that look like? So um, even at Sam Sales, we do something called the anatomy of the deal. And we'll take you through, you know, let's give us an account. 
and we'll take you through how to crack it from the very first email to your key buyer persona all the way to close. What are the things you should be doing in there? What does a great outbound email look like? What does show me you know me, what we are known for, really mean? What does a great discovery call look like? What does success at the end of one of those look like? What do you do to nurture them? You know, it's really running through those processes that I think a lot of people miss. And what's interesting too is a lot of the organizations will say like, hey, like we want negotiating 401. Can you teach us that? And we're like, cool. Um, what do your discovery calls look like? And they're like, oh, they're they're garbage, but but teach us how to negotiate. What do you guys see? Do you do you- the reason why you can't negotiate is because you're <laughs> <is> terrible? <laughs> right. We know we need we actually need to get in front of people to negotiate to begin with. But what what are you guys seeing? Are you seeing similar trends? You know, as, as introverted as I am, despite doing this podcast, I do a decent amount of SKOs, and I would say I, I agree with you. It's often more foundational stuff. the The one that I've done a lot of is just like email best practices, right? Is put what you should put in your subject lines and your body and so on. Over the weekend, I was trying to figure out. A lot of people say spelling errors are are good or spelling errors are bad. So I was I always want to find the data driven answer, and, and I ran little over 6 million emails over the weekend through uh, some software and found that emails with spelling errors have 2x higher reply rates. What? Yeah, I think it's not the spelling errors, though. I think it's that it's those are more likely to be personalized, and you're just making mistakes while you personalize. But the point is that it, they, one or two spelling errors don't really, don't really hurt you. I have one question for you, Sam. One of the themes that, that I hear a lot about, and it, some of it is driven from the content on my LinkedIn, and some of it is certainly pervasive in the enterprise sales team I lead, is this idea that the way towards these larger, big enterprise deals, it's an area I know you have a lot of personal experience, is by aligning all the multiple stakeholders on the prospect side around a shared view of the problem before you get to the solution, right? This idea that that can be where there's the most disharmony, right? Is that not everyone agrees on the same problem we're trying to solve. And I see that in my enterprise sellers deals, but what are some, what's your advice? What's some tips and tricks that not only AEs, but also leaders of those AEs can do to help coach? How do you pull out that issue around aligning on the problem? I think it's really hard to do and very hard to do virtually. Completely. And I think you're, the, the point you make is such a great one. And it's even, it even highlights the fact that so many people don't even think to multi-thread on enterprise deals, right? So think about that. Right. And, and so we're like, well, what's the challenge we're solving? And the rep says like, oh, well, this one VP of sales that I'm talking to says this. And we're like, wait, who else? And they're like, what? So I think even think about that, right? Are we multi-threading effectively? And one of the things that we talk about all the time here is multi-threading isn't just you as the seller, you know, to six or seven people on right? It's both ways. So make sure everybody has their dancing partner on the other side and and that there's alignment up and down across the account. I love that, that visual. And it's so strong, right? Because you've got that right for your sellers. Like if they pull you, Mandy, in, and then they pull, let's say somebody on sales enablement to talk about how to do right, Jeremy, anybody, right? Now you've got all these people that are building their own relationships that now have their own networks of levers that they can pull to help get the deal over the line. There's so much you can do there. There's great research from Gong. I'm sure you guys have it too, that show how many more people, right, get on the call, how much more effective it is. Like you literally cannot lose, you know, to a degree. We don't want 5,000 people on a call. But think about that as even a first step. Are we multi-threading? I will say just one thing on that too. Um, One of our top top Sam sales hacks is all about the idea of double the quantity, double the quality. So what we basically mean by that 
after we end a call, if I, let's say, if I'm just meeting with Jeremy and Jeremy's like, hey, we should use Sam Sales. I'm like, that's great. Uh, what a lot of people will think like, okay, great. I've got Jeremy. I've got someone, you know, industry legend. I've got someone that's a decision maker, probably has budget. I'm good to go. But what I really want to do is I want to double the quantity of who shows up to my next call or double the quality of the people that I have on. So can I get you, Mandy? Can I get Kyle to come to a call? Can I get any of the other leaders who might also have a problem that we can solve so we can show up and start having a conversation and I can multi-thread super effectively that way. That's a great way to just anchor the end of your conversation and say, okay, how do I get that? Now, how do we get that as a totally different thing? And we have to be non-salesy. But to your question of like, how do we get that shared problem? I think that also goes back to another idea of great discovery. You know, if you know this, are you showing up to your discovery call, God forbid, with a sales deck and going through your 19 point presentation? Uh, or are you showing up and saying, what's up? Like, what, what are the challenges you guys have? Tell me a little bit about the landscape, your team, the overview of what's going on over there. I'd love to hear about you first. So many reps don't show up with a narrative. So many reps don't even show up doing homework, right? On people, like where they're based, where they, how long they've been there, where they worked before. There's so much that you can do to ask these open-ended questions, get tons of information, right? And then show up with your own point of view to hopefully hook them and then to get those other people to show up on the call and start to get that out of them too. On the multi-threading side, we know that it's essential to multi-thread how do you do that? Should that be the SDR's job? Should it be the AE's job? Both of them? What, what, what are some strategies to effectively multi-thread on your enterprise deals? I think for multi-threading, I, I think about that with the AE, unless it's a, it's already present for the SDR and they can naturally say like, hey, these, this person's usually a great person to have as part of the conversation or who you might like to have be really serious about getting this over the line as quickly as you said you would or whatever it is. But I think for the AE, the recommendation I always have, right, is as we kind of wrap up that discovery to call to say, you know, it sounds like we can solve a lot of your challenges. I'm thinking about this, 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 and that we can do. I'd love to show you a tour of our technology, kind of show you around some of the things that I think can be specifically applicable to what you talked about today. Tell me a little bit about who else is on your team that you think would find value in this. Do you have cross-functional partners that would also love to see this where you think this could help with their challenges? What I want to do, right, and all, we script all of this out for, for clients, but what I want to do is just give them a customer-centric way of positioning that versus saying like, Jeremy, who's the decision maker? And you're like, it's Mandy and you're not going to guess who her. And I'm like, great. <laughs> okay, super. <laughs> right? I want to make it seem like I'm here to help you because I genuinely am. But I think a lot of people struggle with like, how do I get those other people on the call without sounding like a salesperson? It's not about closing your deal. It's not about selling. It's just about being genuinely curious about how these problems are proliferating across the organization. And if they, it's not about acting interested, right? Or it's actually being that. Like you actually really need to be interested and curious into how these problems are manifesting in other functions because they are. And your job is to help the organization uncover all of those different problems and then maybe map out a way to, to solve them together or not. I have another, and I, sorry, Jeremy, if I'm going to go down a different thread here, but I am curious about this idea of buyer behavior more mimicking B2C motions versus B2B. Now, in B2B, buyer behavior is starting to mimic more of a B2C motion. Organizations and people at these organizations want access to information to learn. They, they don't want to engage with sales until very late in the process. We want to be involved early because we want to, un, we want to better understand the problem and do discovery. What are you hearing? 
on that front? And, and what are your recommendations? No, you're you're spot on. And the data shows that, right? I think it's 33% of sellers from like, I think it was uh, 2020 Gartner data, but 33% of sellers don't want to engage with sales. 44% of millennial sellers would rather never touch a salesperson throughout the sales process, right? And we have to think about it. Our millennial, our millennial buyers rather are they're bar buyers, right? They're empowered. They have money. They have budget. And I think it's like, gone are the days of thinking like, oh, millennials are 22. No, I think what's interesting, right, is this, this really comes back to the idea, like, do you have access to great content, not only as a company, but as a rep? We, we talk so much about building your own personal brand. Hashtag people always ask, how did hashtag Sam sales start? And I was like, you know what? I just kept sharing all these ideas with my boss's bosses and my peers about strategies I had around show me, you know me and things like that. There was such great reception to that, that I was like, well, I'm just going to start to post on LinkedIn and maybe I'll do it more than once. (laughs) And so I'll put a hashtag on it. Right. And I'll make sure that there's something there, but that access to information, me being out there as a thought leader, just giving my opinion, giving people strategies to use, et cetera. I wanted to start sharing the knowledge base that I had on LinkedIn, right. And get these ideas out. And so I added the hashtag on there, which has been, you know, normal as part of our postings every time. But what was interesting is that with that, you now know who we are, what we think about, you understand how we think about sales. It built a brand for us so that people can look at that and decide if they even want to engage with us. That's part of what really helps us get buyers even in to take calls with us. But it's also, I think what's so important about AEs building a brand about their thought leadership doesn't necessarily have to be about the technology that they saw, but just who you are. What's it like to work with you, right? Because people will want to work with with people that have good brands like that, where you're giving them access to information. There is a big, I mean, I've seen arguments on both sides of whether salespeople should, and SDRs, right, to develop a brand. It could be time taken away from direct selling, right? To your point also that you just made is, is if they build a brand, should that brand be about selling or should it be about what they sell into, right? So like if you sell into steel companies, should you be talking about selling or should you be talking about trends in steel? What's your take on that? I would say if you are, if you work, let's say for a Ryerson, right, and you are in the steel industry, um, think about what your buyer persona would want, but it doesn't have to be all that. It can also be things about leadership. It can be about team building. It can be about, you know, just back to work. It can be a healthy balance. You'll find that we post, you know, a ton about selling in general, but we also post little tactics and things to use. Like I posted about Slack's video feature this weekend. I post about leadership. I post about, you know, how to be a great boss um, and things that aren't just specifically to sales, but I know will impact just a human in general. I will say that on the receiving end, the video, the traditional video that where the person's holding the whiteboard, I don't even watch those anymore. What trends are you seeing that's, that are effective in video right now? I like using video for a couple of different things. So one, I personally just like it for um, internal team dynamics. So not even from a selling perspective, but if we get off on a call, let's say we get off a call at you know, 1257 or whatever it is. And then I know I've got another call at one. I love to record a quick call and say, Hey, here's what we got out of that. Here's what I loved here. Here's what we can do better. Here's what we should think about with the proposal. Can you take care of this? Can I, and then send that to the team. Such an effective way to communicate before all of that stuff flies right out of my head for the next call. The other thing, like I personally, I don't use this, but I like the concept of using videos for proposals. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, but you know, I want to get the person on the next call and I want to hook them. You know what? If you did discovery properly, if you work through their challenges, right? If you got common alliance from the buyers and what the problem is, you don't need to like 
find some baby game to get them on a call. So I love to put a proposal together. And then I'll teach you to say like, just put together a video, right? Instead of sending a 17 page email, say like, hey, here's a couple things to keep in mind. This is what I heard. This is why I put this in here. Here's a little flexibility there. Look forward to our next call to talk about it, but just wanted to give you a little explainer here. I'm with you, you know, and Manny, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, I don't like the videos now that are uh, for outbound messaging. The reason I don't like it is I, I personally just feel guilted into the meeting. I'm like, this poor person, like really put some time into it. You know, I love the personalization of show me, you know me and things like that. There's something about the video though, that kind of feels like it's conning me into getting it. The other thing I would say, just from a leadership perspective, consider if your sellers are good on video. And I've heard some leaders who are like, well, of course they are. We've been in the pandemic for, you know, 20 months. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> right. It's actually, and I'm, I mentioned this on the show before um, about like video and discrimination, interestingly. And I'm reading a, a book called These Truths by Jill. It's either Lepore or Lepore, a fascinating book about we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That all, and it was written as men are created equal, but meant to be, meant to be, well, meant actually to be men, I think when it was written, but really meant to be inclusive of all people. But with video, I actually did some exploration and it is what exactly what you expect is like, if you're a, a young Caucasian female, right? Your response rate to videos is much, much higher than if you are a older African-American male, right? Like these biases absolutely exist. We looked at names and if you have, names that the U.S. Census, if 80% of people in the U.S. Census have a particular name and are associated with a particular race, those things actually have an impact on response rates, even though the content is absolutely identical. Well, I have no segue off of that, but I did want to pick back up on the uh, on the great discovery with one at least one more question. And Mandy, you might have others on it too, but I was reflecting on that horrific discovery call that I was a part of last week. And um, one of the things that was frustrating to me was the seller didn't add any value during the call. Uh, and you hear people like in your role, right? Sales strategy consultants say you need to add value even during discovery calls. What are some of the tricks and tips that you have? And, and Mandy, this is for you too, for how you coach your sellers. Like, How do you help your sellers truly add value during a disco? Yeah, I think it's it's really just understanding one, the solutions that you bring to the table, right? So you can listen to the challenges that they have. You can ask great active listening questions, right? We can talk about that too, but then you can really paint an idea of what it would be like for them to work with you, how you could solve that challenge. And we just put this framework um, together for another client, but to talk about it kind of like this. So you ask a question, wait for the answer, ask an active listening question, right? We don't want to run through that script like you talked about um, with that seller. And then to think about when you get that answer to talk about your prospective clients or your solution, you know, in a, in a way that gets somebody to start thinking, right? So I might say like, uh, oh, Mandy, like this is, this makes me think of this company that we're, we're working with that's in your same space. Like this was the challenge they had. And one of the creative ideas we brought to them was XYZ. And what's really interesting that I like to do there, right? Like when I start to bring that with to you, I'm hoping, you know, at least on Zoom that I can see you nodding or see you saying like, oh, this could be good, right? So I'm, I know that I've got maybe your heart rate racing just a touch. And what I kind of want to do there, my secrets of Sam move is that I kind of want to move on to the next question as quickly as I can. And so I'll unpack the next question, do the active listening again, you know, maybe tell a customer story in there. What I'm trying to get you to do is go, about as many times as I can on the discovery call, and then we're out of time. And so what I want to do is talk more about this. And what I want to do is get that, that buyer to say like, this was so great. I have so many ideas of how this can be of help. You know what I want to do? I want to bring in these six people. And I'm like, go on while I pet my hair. Um, and then I have multi-thread. I don't even know how to ask you to do it. Right. But 
if you kind of use that framework, right, of the customer story, this reminds me of a customer that looks looked just like you guys before we started working with them. And then to add that insight, here's what we did. Here's a creative idea. Have you thought about that? The other thing that I get to do there is just show I have a brain and then I'm consultative, right? Like you can rely on me for other things outside of just like, here's my technology. What do you think? I, I love that. I love having a framework for a discussion, right? Just to give us some guardrails to work within. The other thing we talk a lot about on my team with, with my AEs also is to remember that we have the, the luxury and the advantage of getting to talk to the counterparts of our prospect all day long. Our responsibility is to bring some perspective, right? Because if I'm a head of sales or a head of marketing at an organization or a head of a, you know, IT or something like that, I'm probably working with people who are on my, in my direct function at that organization or cross-functional peers, but I don't have a lot of time to meet with CIOs at other organizations. You know, I probably belong to networks or other, other, you know, luxury organizations that I may or may not have time for Slack channels or things like that. But like, ultimately, if, if I've earned 30 minutes or 25 minutes with a prospect, one of the most valuable things I can do is tell them what their peers are talking to me about. With my AEs, we always talk about this idea of like, don't miss that opportunity to, in a discovery call, just mention to them, I've talked to to 10 other heads of sales in the last six days, which is probably more than your prospect has. These are some of the things that are coming up. I'm so often in buying mode, right? Some of those things resonate with me. The case studies, yes. They're, they're always self-serving a little bit, but I, I think the synthesis of the trends from talking to other people, I think is super valuable. Um, and if I were to add maybe a couple more things that people have done for me is, I love when they will actually intro me to a peer. And it's not, I don't mean that yet as a, as a reference check. I just want to meet people solving similar problems to me, great if they're a customer. And then I think also just giving information insights that I can use right away, whether or not I become a customer. One last rapid fire topic, because we're, we're almost out of time, but you, you have mentioned the word nurture a bunch of times. And my job is, as a co-host here is to make sure no thread is left unpulled. You know, what is the right way and the wrong way to nurture a prospect? So, well, let's let's think about what you just said with the, the connector piece. I'm I for for Malcolm Gladwell, he'll be so excited, but I'm a connector through and through. Nothing gives me more joy, but you you said it correctly. Like that's how you can also nurture somebody. So let's say the three of us have this great conversation today about how Sam Sales is gonna help sales off, yada yada. In probably about a week, let's say I'm think about, okay. Mandy's in Austin. She is a um, 18-month-in new leader, right, for AEs. I wonder who else I know that is a leader in Austin, maybe a powerhouse female in sales that I could introduce her to. And so instead of me being like, hello, Mandy, just checking in and doing that awful thing, God forbid, I can say, hey, I was just thinking of our conversation. And by the way, I looked on LinkedIn. I don't see that you're connected to Sandra Johnson or whatever it is. Do you want a connection? You guys would be so, it'd be a great networking opportunity. Maybe you're even targeting her account and you want to sell sales software. And Mandy will be like, oh my God, hopefully. And then I'll be like, you're welcome. And bonus point, Sandra Johnson is our client. That's the other move too, is like, I'm going to paint this as you, I'm connecting you guys so you can be a benefit to each other because I really want you to be. But bonus points for me that Sandra is my client and that she'll say to Mandy, by the way, did you hire Sam Sales? You should, they're amazing. And Mandy will be like, well, we're thinking about it. And then Sandra can just do the selling for me while I paint my nails at home. Fantastic. So that is a great nurture mechanism. The wrong way to nurture, like one of the worst things that I've seen is when we're giving our clients homework. So what I mean by that, like um, one of my my most favorite old reps was like, hey, this messaging isn't working. What am I doing wrong? And I'm like, well, send me a message or sending, you know, as a nurture campaign. So he sends me, it's like the global head of demand generation for like Oracle's, this XYZ line of business. The messaging literally said this, hey, Bill, 
thought you'd be interested in some of the webinars that we have available. Here's our video library for you to take a look at, signed, whatever. And I'm like, do you think that this guy is going to look at 7,800 webinars that we have for 9,800,000 minutes? That's a real number, write that down. And get back to you about what interests him. No, you should say, here's 17,000 of our webinars. I've got one specific one. And from minute 308 to minute you know, 319 or whatever the hell it is. This is something that I think would benefit you specifically as a senior, you know, demand generation manager at some, somewhere at Oracle. So just think about, again, framework. If I'm sending a nurture email, I want to send something along the lines of like, hey, Mandy, was reflecting on our conversation, read this article, think you would love it because XYZ, there's one piece that I loved about it. I'm going to, you know, try to convince you to read it, even if it's HBR or something that has nothing to do with me. And then I'm going to close it out with, Thanks. Cheers, Sam. Whatever. No ask. No ask. No like. Do 15, 20 minutes. No. It's it's not self-serving. This email is not for you. It's for them. So just think of how you how you can avoid making it self-serving and and truly do what it was intended to do. I'm in violent agreement with you. I think I, I think it's so rare that people do that. But just net net out. Don't send me a book. Or if you do, like hot, put a little note in there that says check out page 302. I highlighted it for you, right? Like whatever. Yeah, I just want to net it, net it out for me. Well, this has been the Sam and Mandy show, which has been <laughs> awesome for me. Uh, but that was that was Sam McKenna. Again, she's the founder of hashtag Sam Sales. And I would presume, Sam, the best way for people to get in touch with you is, I would assume, on LinkedIn. You got it. Yeah, you can find us there or pop over to our website, samsalesconsulting.com. We've got a ton of resources there for you for basically anything under the sun. Sam, Mandy, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, you guys. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast. 